Grace, mercy, and peace to you in the name of God our Father. Amen. This morning we're going to continue on in this sermon series that we started last week on the 50 days of love. And if you weren't here, we're doing this series because it seems as if many people's hearts, the love of many in our world today has grown a little bit cold. And we see that on the freeways, and we see that in the media, and we see that sometimes at work, even sometimes it services itself in the midst of our family. And last week we went over two powerful things that love is. Love is an action, right? It's something you do. It's a show-me sport. And love is also a choice. You are not a victim to love because it's a choice, because it's an action, because it's something you do. It's something that you can control. So I'm going to build off that idea today, and just we're going to talk about the fact that love is kind. It's kind of part two in this series. How many would you would say that there needs to be more kindness in our world today? Anybody? Anybody notice that at all? Anywhere? Okay. Now, how many of you would say that probably you could use a little bit more kindness yourself in terms of the way you treat other people? Anybody? Yeah? Yeah? Okay. So we're going to take a look at this whole idea of love is kind because it's one of the, the actions that love is. It's one of the de- definitions, according to Paul in 1 Corinthians 13, that this is what love looks like. And so the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 13 that love is kind, and kindness is love in action. Again, as we said last week, love is not a feeling. It's something you do. Now, it creates feelings, it produces feelings, enormous emotions, but love itself is not a feeling, it is an action. It is a belief that you put into your behavior. And so the Bible goes on to say that love is kindness in action. In fact, Jesus once told a story that illustrated this, and it's the story that was read just a little bit earlier, the story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And I want to use this to talk about this whole idea of bringing more kindness back into our lives. And so Jesus tells a story of three men who were traveling down this road from Jerusalem to Jericho. This road was particularly notorious. There was lots of muggings, lots of robberies, lots of murders. This was not a safe road to go on, especially at night. But it happened that there was three different men that were going down this road, assumingly in the daytime, because they saw this man on the side of the road. And they each encountered this crime scene And each of these men responds to this crime scene in a very different way. Jesus goes on to say that these three men represent three choices in your life. In other words, you're going to go through life with one of these three attitudes toward the people around you, particularly those that are struggling or hurt or in pain. So the first attitude is what I'll call the keep my distance attitude. Anybody know anybody like that? I mean, not you guys. You guys are right in the thick of it. But anybody know anybody that keep my distance attitude? In Luke 10, verses 30 to 31, it says this. It says, there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when robbers attacked him, stripped him, beat him up, and left him half dead. It so happened that a priest was going down that road, and when he saw the man, he walked by on the other side of the road. I want you to notice the words, on the other side. This is what I call the lifestyle of avoidance or the keep my distance lifestyle. This is where you kind of unconsciously say stuff like this to yourself. Don't get ever too close to people because they might ask you to help. Anybody kind of shrink away when it's moving season from somebody that you know that you care about? Okay. Don't ever get too close to people because you might be needed by them. Keep your distance. Keep all your relationships somewhat superficial. Keep them shallow. Be distant. Keep people at an arm's length. Because if you get too close, 
you might get involved. And if you get involved, you might get hurt. Remember last week, we, we talked a little bit about what causes, the Bible says, what causes this hardness of heart in our society and in us. It's, it comes from lawlessness, because lawlessness produces fear, right? And fear, selfishness, and selfishness, that hardness of heart. So one of the reasons you don't get involved too often is because you fear that some harm might befall you. Some problem might be caused in your life that you somehow might get hurt or caught up into it. And so you just keep everything at an arm's length. So this guy's walking down the road and he sees a guy who's been beaten, mugged, left for dead on the side of the road. He's a pastor for heaven's sakes. And he says, I'm just going to keep my distance and go about my business. And I'll just... Go on the other side of the road. Now, there's a little bit more to this. The, the priest didn't want to become unclean because that might complicate his life in the short term, just temporarily. It might require a little bit more effort at that time. But ultimately, he uses it as an excuse to not help the man at all. In Phoenix today, I think this is a pretty easy attitude to adopt, to be fair. It's easy for me to figure out a way to go from my home to church and back home again without really coming into contact with people who are hurting deeply. I can just kind of avoid those whole areas if I go a certain way. And this is the keep my distance attitude. Don't get too close. Don't get too involved. Just let the hurt kind of happen around you, but go about your way. The second is what I'll call the curious but uninvolved. In Luke 10, verse 32, it says, In the same way, a Levite also came there. A Levite, contrary to, to some people's knowledge, does not mean a gene salesman. He was not a gene salesman for Levi at all. But he was a temple assistant, right? A Levite. He went over, looked at the man, and then walked on the other side of the road. Now, this guy perhaps is just a little bit even worse, right? He walks over across the street. Are you picturing this in your mind, right? He sees the guy victimized. He's laying there. He's half dead, barely survived naked, bleeding to death. He looks at him, stares at him, and goes, uh-huh, and goes back across the street and, and goes about his business. Now, I was feeling pretty self-righteous about this particular one until I realized that I do this all the time on the freeway. So do you. We like to stare at accidents, don't we? In fact, we don't want to stop at them necessarily, but we do stare at the accidents. My guess is that everybody in this room has done this at least once because I noticed that traffic always seems to bog down, slow down a little bit because of the gawkers at a particular accident. We want to stare. What's happening over there? Is it a fender bender? Did anybody get hurt? Did anybody get killed? But does anybody actually want to stop to see if they're okay to lend a hand to actually help? The answer to that is no. We want to stare, but we don't want to stop. This is the curious but uninvolved. It's kind of funny, we don't think we have hardened hearts sometimes, <laughs> but even in that example, there's a reality that we just don't care. I mean, not enough to actually stop and do something, not like this guy in the story. Have you ever noticed it's a lot easier to gossip about somebody's problems than to actually help them out with it? We love to talk about other people's problems, discuss other people's problems, love to read about other people's problems. Why do you think the gossip magazines, the people magazines are some of the most popular magazines out there in the world today? Why do you think our media is trending that direction and some of the stories that they're putting out? Because we like to read about other people's misfortune, but we don't actually want to do anything about it. Curious, but uninvolved. Aware, but apathetic. 
my guess is that you could go beyond just these people on the side of the road, but there's people in your family that are hurting in different way and you're aware, but over time you just become hardened toward their situation. And you've stopped helping, you've stopped praying, you've stopped caring. And if that could happen in our own family, it certainly happens to the people at work that we kind of avoid now or people in our neighborhood or it can go on and on. The third response is the response of the Good Samaritan. Treat others how I want to be treated. The Bible says this in verse 33. It says, A Samaritan who was traveling that way came upon the man, and when he saw him, his heart was filled with pity. If you want to grow in love, and that's what we're going to be talking about for these next 50 days, how to build authentic relationships, you're going to have to develop this lifestyle of kindness. And the Good Samaritan did three things that I think goes a long way to helping us re-remember this whole idea of kindness in our life. Re-remember what it is to be kind and loving toward other people. Because if you want to become a kinder person, someone down the line, we need to start involving these, these steps. If we want to actually be a loving person, these are important. So this is what God gives us this morning to think about. One of the first things that God calls us to do is we need to start seeing the needs of the people around us. Because kindness always begins with the eyes. The way you look, the way you see, it, it always begins with your vision, the way you observe things, the way you notice things, the way you're sensitive to the needs of other people. Kindness starts with your eyes, and if you're not aware of the needs or of the hurt or of the pain, you're just not going to help. It's just not on your radar. You have to see the need first. The Bible says this in Luke 10, It says, when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. And really, that's the starting point always. If you want to learn to become more and more of a kind person, you need to change the way that you see, the way that you look at the world. You've got to expand your vision. You've got to become more observant of the needs, of the hurts, of the people around you, and become more and more sensitive. Why? Because there are literally wounded people all over the world today. And it's not just on the side of the road. It's, it's everywhere. There's probably people in your own aisle right now that are wounded on the inside, sitting there right next to you. But you haven't noticed. You don't see. And why don't we see the, the wounded in our world today? If I had to guess, it, I, I revolve it all around this one world in our culture today, and it's busyness. Hurry is the death of kindness because if you don't get anything else I say today, I want you to get this. If you're going to learn to be a kinder person, then you've got to learn to start slowing down in your life. Because if you don't see it, right, unless you slow down, you don't start noticing stuff unless you have time to kind of look around and smell the roses, right? Anybody ever driven to work and not really noticed a thing that was happening on the side of them? Or on vacation, you're blowing through some of the most beautiful country you can imagine, but you only see the road, and it's your wife or it's the kids in the back seat that are going, like, Dad, look at that. That's so amazing over there. And you're like, what, what? Oh, yeah, that, that's pretty cool. <laughs> it, it, does it cause you to stop and go spend some time looking at it? No, you've got something to do. You've got some places to go. You're always in a hurry. So often we don't see things unless we slow down. Hurry when you're busy, when you're always distracted with other things. You don't have time to be kind. It's actually another pressure on not to stop and do things that you know you should do otherwise because you've got some place to be. You've always got some place to be. But if you want to become a more loving person, you've got to slow your life down just a little bit in order to see the needs and the hurts of the people around you. Give me, I'll give you an illustration of that. A buddy of mine, he's a pastor, he shared a, a part of an email with me the other day, and it read something like this. 
Pastor, you were on the patio shaking hands with different people on Sunday. Everybody else was standing, but I was there sitting down, and you passed right by me. I was sitting there crying, and you totally missed me. And my buddy was sharing this with me, and it kind of hit his heart a little bit because he felt horrible that he had missed that. And he said, man, I didn't mean to do that. I was just so busy. I was unaware. I wasn't tuned in at the moment. I was so busy greeting other people. I was so busy thinking about what I had to do for the next service. I just, I just missed her. And you know what? I can totally relate to that. I, I, I can totally get how that could happen on a Sunday morning. But hear me say this. If you care, you'll be aware but we've got to slow down enough to see the people in our lives that need our care. So the starting point to kindness is to say to God, God, not only open the eyes of my heart so that I can see you, but also open my eyes so they can see the needs of the people around me. This is the starting point to kindness. Kindness always starts the way that you see things. You must start seeing the needs of the people around you. And I know there's a challenge to this because even as I say that, you're saying, Pastor, I don't want to see more of the needs of the people around me because I just don't want to get involved. And I refer you back to some of those first two guys that were walking down the street. We have a hardness of heart in our society that we have to start dealing with, that we have to stop rationalizing God calls us to be lights in the midst of a dark world. He calls us to be known by our love as Christians. But if we don't ever bother to love anybody or show our care, we, we, miss, we miss an opportunity to share Jesus. The second thing the Good Samaritan did was he sympathized with people's pain. See, it's not enough just to see their need. You need to sympathize with their pain as well. The Bible says this in Luke 10, 33. When he saw him, his heart was filled with pity. And so first his eyes kicked in, and then his ears, and then his heart kicked in. And he was filled with pity for this guy who had been so ravagely beaten and robbed. The Bible tells us elsewhere, weep with those who weep. In other words, share their sorrow. Be there for them in their pain. But how do you do that? How do I increase my ability to be more sympathetic and more sensitive to people's needs? kind of goes back to that first point, you know, if I see it, I don't want to see because then I'll have to care. And so (laughs) the challenge is, how do we actually become more caring? If sensitivity begins with our eyes, then sympathy begins with our ears. It's learning to listen. Learning to listen is the secret of genuine sympathy. And the better listener you become, the more sympathetic you become. And sometimes kindness is just listening to somebody. Let me share with you part of a poem that I came across. When I ask you to listen to me and you start giving me advice, then you've not done what I've asked. When I ask you to listen to me and you begin to tell me why I shouldn't feel that way, you trample on my feelings. When I ask you to listen to me and you begin to feel as if you have to do something to solve my problem, you have failed me, as strange as it seems. Just listen, please. Just listen to me. Advice is cheap. 20 cents will get you both a Dear Abby and a Billy Graham in the same newspaper. And I can do that for myself. I'm not helpless. I may be discouraged. I may be faltering, but I'm not helpless. So please just listen to me and hear what I have to say. And if you want to talk, wait a minute for your turn, and I'll listen to you too. Again, sometimes kindness is just listening to somebody, being there for somebody. That giving advice sometimes can actually do the exact opposite. It can be counterproductive to kindness. 
man named Joe Bailey wrote a book on grief, on losing a loved one, and he entitled it A View from a Hearse. And he says this from his experience. He wrote, I was sitting torn by grief, and somebody came along and talked to me about God's dealings of why it happened, of hope beyond the grave. He talked constantly, and he said things I knew that were true, but I was unmoved except to wish that he would go away. And he finally did. Then another one came, and he sat beside me, and he didn't talk at all. He didn't ask me any leading questions. He just sat beside me for an hour or more, listened to me when I said something, answered briefly, prayed simply, and left. And I found that I was moved, and I had been comforted, and I hated to see him go. Sympathy involves the ears, and listening is a a form of kindness. Then finally, the last thing God would give us this morning to think about is this whole idea of seizing the moment, right? Seize the moments in your life to be kind. Don't wait, don't delay, don't procrastinate. Do what you can at that very moment. We're great procrastinators, but God says we need to do something contrary to that. This is the third thing that the Good Samaritan did. It says, kneeling beside him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with medicine and bandaged him. In other words, he took action at that moment. As we said last week, that love is something that you do. He didn't just say, oh, I feel so bad for this guy. Oh, that's terrible. Let's say a prayer for the ambulance as it's taking somebody to the hospital, right? It didn't just do that. Isn't this a shame? Isn't it too bad? He actually did something, Notice he stooped down. In other words, he got the man's level, right? He didn't pretend that he was superior. He didn't talk down to him. He gets eye to eye with the man, which is hugely important for kindness. He gets down at his level, and then he does the second thing. He used what he had. Other translations say that he dressed the man's wounds with wine and oil. Why is that significant? Because that's probably what he had on his donkey as he was traveling. The wine worked okay because it's alcohol. It's an antiseptic. The oil worked okay because it was something that would soothe his wounds. Then it says he dressed him with bandages. You ever catch that? Where did he get the bandages? The guy was naked. Obviously, he wasn't a doctor. He didn't have bandages with him. And so where did he get the bandages? Most commentators believe he got them from his own clothes. The bandages are the Samaritan's own clothes. He takes his shirt off. He rips it up and starts bandaging this poor, unfortunate victim. The point is, never walk away from somebody who needs your help. Why do I say that? Proverbs 3, verse 27 and 28 says, Never walk away from someone who deserves your help. Your hand is God's hand for that person. Never tell your neighbors to wait until tomorrow if you can help them now. Again, why is this stuff so important? Because there are literally wounded all around us. On the very road that you're on, there are wounded people. I wonder how many people in our life, as you and I walk around, are just wounded and hurting desperately inside, and we just don't know. They may be wounded physically. They may be wounded emotionally, spiritually. They may be wounded relationally, financially. And they need your love. They need your kindness. In many ways, that's probably why God has placed you in their lives. And so you don't wait for better conditions. You don't say, I'll call them in a few days. You do it now. You seize the moment. You be Jesus' eyes and ears and hands, and you show them his love. So ask yourself, who needs your kindness this week? Susan Kidd, an author, wrote this. It happened years ago on one of those raw December days that make people wish that they had done their Christmas shopping in July. 
Snowflake winds whipped around the streets and hunched on a sidewalk bench sat an unshaven man. He wore a threadbare jacket and his shoes with no socks and he folded a paper bag around his neck to keep out the biting wind. A shopper paused, saddened by the man. Such a pity, she thought, but there's really nothing she could do. While the shopper lingered there, a little girl, maybe 11 or 12, walked by and spotted the frostbitten figure on the bench. Wrapped around the girl's neck was a bright woolen scarf. She stopped beside the old man, unwrapped the wool scarf, and draped it tenderly around his neck and walked away. The man rubbed the warm wool, and then the shopper crept away, wishing that she had been the one to give the scarf. She wrote, I was that shopper, and God taught me something that day. Wherever I am, whatever I possess, there is always something that I can give. A touch, a smile, a prayer, a kind word, even a scarf. Will you grow in kindness? As we go through the series, you're going to notice there's a, there's a challenge that you feel inside of you. I started it at the beginning that the hearts of many in our world have grown cold. I think that's true of us as well. And when we actually look into what it means to be kind, loving, there's going to create a tension of selfishness, right? Usually that's based on fear. That's usually based on lawlessness. But God still calls us to be loving. He still calls us to share Jesus with people. He calls us to be known by our love. May you be people today that begin this quest. And all God's people said, amen. Let us pray. God, we love you so much. And even as we say that, we love you, Lord. It's, it's hard when we look at the definition of what love is. And perhaps a better statement might be, Lord, we sometimes try to love you. We want to love you. Help us love you more. Help us love you more in terms of being patient with you and, and being kind toward those people that you've placed in our lives. Help us begin to exhibit some of these things that you say that love is. We've grown so selfish. I know it's because we fear so many things in this world today, Lord, but help us overcome those things and be those lights that shine in the darkness. Let us start with the families that you have given us and again, resume showing them true love. And then for the people that we work with and the people that are in their neighborhoods and then on and on. And Father, then use this love to transform the communities that we live in and then the world that we live in. Father, if it doesn't start with us, it's not going to start anywhere. So I pray capture our hearts today and help us begin to do what it looks like to be loving. And all God's people said, amen. amen.